Hey there, I'm Pete Townsend, and this is Money Never Sleeps. We look inside the minds of entrepreneurs and at the crossover of startups, enterprise, finance, technology, and life as we know it. This episode of Money Never Sleeps is sponsored by Philip Lee, one of Ireland's fastest growing corporate law firms and expert advisors at the heart of the Dublin and London startup, fintech, and crypto communities. On the show this week, Owen Fitzgerald and I interview... I'm Eugene O'Brien, CEO and co-founder of Big Fan. And... I'm Kurt Pittman, CCO and co-founder of Big Fan. Big Fan is reinventing sports collectibles through officially licensed NFTs or non-fungible tokens that provide access to metaverse-driven fan experiences. And Big Fan are based right here in Ireland. All of Big Fan's digital collectibles are being produced in collaboration with teams, clubs, organizations, and athletes from different corners of the world. Eugene and Kurt from Big Fan are the second of 10 founding teams forming the Launchpool Web3 Techstars Accelerator class of 2022 that we've got on the show over the next few months. In this episode, we talk to Eugene and Kurt about how their paths converged into Big Fan last year, why it makes so much sense for them to be working on Big Fan together, the art of the possible with building for the metaverse, and the challenges in front of them to tackle right now. All right here on Money Never Sleeps. Eugene, why don't you get us started by telling us about your backstory and how you got to this point? Brilliant. Uh, thanks, Pete. So, yeah, my background is in blockchain. I've been in this space for the, the, the past 10 years. I set up a consultancy back last um, in 15, where we were helping a lot of companies, I suppose, do jurisdictional evaluation, as well as get licensing within Europe. Then we led into 17, where we had the ICO fundraising mechanism that came into place. And Pete, I suppose that was intriguing to me at that stage, that I saw a lot of companies that had very good ideas, but didn't have funding to show the practical applications of them. So what 17 and what the ICO fundraising mechanism enabled was a lot of these companies to uh, raise finance and show the, the applications of the protocols that they were involved in. I suppose one company that I was keeping a very close eye in at around that time would have been Socios that did a 60 million euro raise back in uh, 17. I played sports all my life, still playing tennis, played uh, rugby for 25 years. And seeing, I suppose, the intersection between blockchain and sports and the benefits that can be derived from that was mind-blowing. So while in 17, keeping a close eye on Socios and seeing what they were doing, I then started getting into NFTs, obviously starting off with uh, CryptoKitties. Then that led me down the path of, I suppose, going into metaverses and starting to build out developments within the metaverses when, I suppose, they weren't as popular as they were now. That would have been late 19, early 20. So really all the ingredients were there and all the different areas, I suppose, within the crypto space that I was involved in, all kind of really, I suppose, sowed the seeds for for big fan and i suppose the opportunity that we had in front of us to enhance the relationship between fans and rights holders awesome that's you know hearing and i've known this obviously that you've been in the space since 2013 means that you've seen all the cycles right and that you you have that intelligence of of noting patterns as you've gone through the last nine years really in the space which is awesome kurt what I wanted to get from you as well was your backstory and how you got to this point. So I'm originally from Auckland, New Zealand. I 
set out in a career in, in sports marketing and, and very early on picked up a senior role with the New Zealand Rugby League, and which was the sport that I played at that time. And, and, and having got to that level, I wanted to head over to the UK and, and, and landed there in 2003. And from that time, it was very much about you know, building my career. So on the rights holder side of, of, of sport and, and more recently esports, I managed to pick up some senior roles across the likes of Harlequins Rugby League, delivered a two-year project with Sport England, which was around investment and participation as a pilot program, and then and then landed with, with Fulham Football Club around 2010 at the, the, the height of Fulham moving towards the Europa League final against Atletico Madrid. I spent near on five years there. Um, very much focused on demand creation, um, fan engagement across stadium events, and then extending that outside of the ground and, and what have you. And then into looking at inside around the fans and how that would play into the commercial business, which was quite topical at that point in time. Not many clubs were, were sort of heading down that path. And we were one of the early movers in that space. And then from there, I left Fulham. Unfortunately, it was, it was relegation to the championship for the first time in 13 years, which was a bit heartbreaking, but as, as, as a fan. And, but at the same time, Brentford were on the rise, having just been promoted from League One into the championship. And I managed to uh, pick up a role with Brentford at that point in time. And in, in getting briefed in for that role, it was very much about how do we how do we set the club up commercially to make it Premier League ready? And, and also they had a stadium move on the horizon. So it was a move to a purpose-built stadium only a mile down the road. And it was about developing the commercial strategies around that move and getting those implemented across a four to five year period. Hugely insightful, helping to, helping to scale that business in, in terms of shifting from League One to being ready to step up into the Premier League was, was, a, was, a, was a great journey. Even I guess that, you know, the detail there is very much about relevance to, to what we're doing at Big Fan because well, I moved to family and I moved over to Dublin in, in, in late 2019, a few months before lockdown. And, and as we went into lockdown, I, I got introduced to Eugene and, and it was very much a point in time where he had this vision for what Big Fan might be and, and, and knew the technology and, and, and the community around the technology and intimately. But the challenge was to try and create a commercial proposition that, you know, that, w that, that we would be able to take into my former colleagues and peers at a time before the NBA Top Shots had hit the headlines and before Mark Zuckerberg decided to, to use the word meta and turn everyone's attention towards the metaverse. And, be able to go in and, and, and help them understand what the potential of this technology might be at that early stage and see if we could get some people to, to go through that journey with us. And, and, and that's led us to where we are now. And who was it that introduced you guys? It's a, uh, a mutual contact, um, Dave, Dave McHugh, who has a uh, successful talent management business called Lineup Sports. He, he connected us in October 2020. Okay. All right. Because Eugene and I connected through Ken Coyne and shout out to Ken yeah. Coyne. And, but Owen, you would also come across Eugene at some stage, right about the same time that I had talked to Ken Coyne about Eugene. Yeah. Yeah. I think you'd put me in touch with Eugene just around the same time he'd gotten in touch with Enterprise Ireland and it had ended up on my desk anyway, because I'm our resident inverted commas expert on blockchain. So everything ends up on my desk, exactly. <laughs> but you'd already introduced me at the same time. Okay. So. All right. Because yeah, I'm running the circles of introductions here, which, which 
amazing that. And then when you guys first met Eugene, what was yeah. it about Kurt that you're like, okay, this could work? Well, I have to laugh because it feels like a lifetime ago. Um, I suppose I, when I had the concept, I suppose uh, put together, <laughs> I kind of went on the road approaching right soldiers with it. So you can imagine we, with no experience uh, in the right soldier side commercially, I had a fairly significant deck that I was going over with. I think Kurt was it in around 40 slides uh, to try and get the concept, I suppose, across in a clear way. As you can appreciate, Pete, with, I suppose, trying to get this concept across at that stage was an uphill battle in that we had no comparatives in that I was approaching rights holders with this concept before NBA top shots or uh, before so rare. So coming into them with, a, I suppose, a new concept, new technology, and explaining why it would be beneficial for them to take on this concept was a huge endeavor. I suppose while I was on my travels with my 40-slide deck, I was pitching into Shamrock Rovers, and Kurt was doing work for Shamrock Rovers at the time. So I was pitching into Kurt. Uh, Kurt has a previous experience in around blockchain and uh, ticketing. So Kurt understood what I was saying, and I suppose he kind of understood too the, the barriers to entry and the, the issues that I was having. And that essentially is how I suppose the relationship was uh, struck up. And I suppose really, I suppose being able to pull on my experience within the blockchain space network and the tech and with Kurt's, I suppose, forte being in uh, the rights holder side of it and feeding this into rights holders as a commercial concept was, I suppose, uh, hugely important for the, for the project to be a success. And that's essentially kind of how we met up. And I suppose the synergies between the two of us and what each of us bring to the, bring to the table to, I suppose, bolster a big fan and have it as a, I suppose, a full stack solution for rights holders. Love it. That's great. And it's just looking at both of your backgrounds and seeing, you know, Eugene that, that going all the way back to 2001 with a, a Fexco stockbroking course, right. And understanding mm. some of the financial elements of this and then some marketing institute stuff, some more financial institute stuff, and then just hardcore 10 years blockchain, right? And then Kurt, seeing your history as an athlete, not to, you know, sell Eugene short because he's been an athlete as well himself and still is and plays tennis to this day, which I know. But, you know, Kurt, and then being and living and breathing in this sports marketing space for so long, right? Mm -hmm. It just seems like a great combination. Hey, one thing I'd add, add to what Eugene said is, he put me on a crash course around NFTs, you know, it, and it, having a sense of, of the blockchain technology and, and, and Brentford and delivering tickets and testing that out. We, we went on this journey of a, a deep dive and crash course for me and understanding NFTs, how the community works, you know, what, what that technology looks like from Eugene's perspective, because while I had a sense of it, I, I didn't understand, you know, all of that level of detail. And I think Eugene, Eugene seriously uh, threw me threw me to the wolves and, and and helped me understand how, you know, how that was all working. This was at a time when the Board Ape Yacht Club was just released, you know, back in January 2021. And yeah, admittedly, I didn't hold on to my too long enough and learned some serious lessons along the way. But I think without that crash course, we certainly wouldn't be where we are now in terms of understanding it well enough to be able to 
play it in with some conviction and understanding, you know, to a, to a commercial director sitting on the other side of the fence and giving them some, some belief that we knew what we were talking about. Absolutely. Absolutely. In, you know, in the last couple of minutes, Eugene, you mentioned the word right holders a couple of times, and I want to dig into that a bit, but starting off first, can you tell us what is big fan, why it's unique and why this is a source of so much conviction that the two of you have that this is a perfect thing for the two of you to be working on right now. Thanks, Peace. Uh, yeah, essentially what we're doing at a Big Fan is we're building a sports collectibles platform that is creating an ecosystem for rights holders, which would include sports teams, uh, federations, leagues, esports organizations, to build new revenues, unlock new audiences, create new insight, and engage fans through Web3 technology. And just to jump in there, in terms of its uniqueness, there's a lot of big players out there, the likes of Dapper Labs, so Rare, and Socios, who are really using elements of this technology in order to deliver specific outcomes. And I think where where we're getting, you know, go back to your question of you know the source of the conviction. I think for us, we, we're very mindful that there's this there's this NFT bubble. You know, people are talking about this NFT bubble, particularly in sport and the the interest that's in it, and one of the things that we talk about when, when we're engaging with potential partners is, you know, how do we help them make the most of this opportunity where it is now, but be able to land on the other side with this Web3 technology started to be being baked into their commercial model and their business operation in a way that means that they can get continuity afterwards and be able to adapt once all of that excitement, you know, Either either reduces down or, or or continues at at its current level, and I think that that's that's the really exciting thing for us because we're talking about the full suite of that technology, not just elements of it, and being able to knit it together to help those sports and esports rights holders adopt it in a meaningful way. Very good. And tell us how it works from the first step of your engagement with a sports team, with a league, with a club, all the way through to what will be the issuance and minting of NFTs that act as a access point to metaverse-driven fan experiences. So the, the initial stage is, is very much about taking them through the high level of what this ecosystem is and, and how we see it playing out in sport. But ultimately, it's very much about finding out from them what, you know, what their perceptions are, what their understanding is, what they what they know, what they think they don't know, or what they know they don't know. And, and being able to take away those observations and, and come back to them with a, with a proposal, a, a level of detail that helps them see over a roadmap of, say, 12 to 18 months, how we might help them deliver executions that build on top of each other as they take you know, their fans through a journey, their internal stakeholders through a journey, in a way that gives them a solid base to be able to build on, and and that th those those are the steps that we that you know that we take. I mean, this this is all based around a scalable solution in terms of BigFan.io as a platform, and what we have in mind for 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 the metaverse in its first instance from a gaming uh, you know play to a gaming perspective. Nobody really usually wants to elaborate on that anymore. Yeah, Eugene, do you want do you want to maybe address how you're actually minting the NFTs and what the you know the first release of this is really going to look like? 
Yep. In regards to the, the, the platform piece, we're going to be minting directly onto the blockchain uh, with our collectibles. So we won't be doing a uh, pre-minting, which would be, I suppose, prevalent with uh, NBA Top Shots. I suppose we want to give our users as much as a, a real experience uh, for what they're doing as uh, possible. Also, too, with our platform, we're going to have, I suppose, two on-ramps where people can go on and buy their collectible with uh, a credit card as well as people can go on and pay through a uh, cryptocurrency. I suppose that was a strong point for us that we want to make this, I suppose, product accessible to um, everyone in terms of onboarding, as well as a usage and functionality within the platform. So essentially you'll be able to go on, you'll be able to mint your collectible. You're going to be able to view your collectible within the profile as well as sell it on secondary marketplaces, either in fiat or else in a cryptocurrency. We'll be releasing our collectibles in either a bespoke fashion or else in a pack collections. And that all really depends on, I suppose, what the rights holders want to, uh, want to get across with your NFT collectibles. What Kurt and myself, I suppose, are aware of and dealing with the rights holders that I suppose we provide a full stack solution. So whatever the wants and needs of the, the rights holders, which would be a team or a sports organization, we are very, I suppose, flexible in providing what they need within the platform. Okay, very good. No, I was, I was going to ask, I suppose, looking at it from the outside, if you take a sports team, for example, I'm a Man United fan, they obviously do a lot of social media presence and it's, it's a big selling point in terms of signing players and building their profile and everything. But it strikes me that there's probably a, a split in organizations like this, whereby there's the, you know, the social media marketing side of it, which are probably very keen to kind of be involved in these sort of things versus the more traditional structure of the organization, which may, or which has probably taken a big learning curve from the organization's point of view. Is that kind of how you found it? That there's a, a lot of interest, but you really have to take them on that kind of educational journey as to why this makes sense and what it means for them. Yeah, yeah, yes, and sure. You know, the the, the whole, it, it's the appetite for innovation internally. And it, it all comes down to who, you know, who wants to be the champion of something innovative like this internally within, you know, within that club, music, you know, say Man United, for instance. Yeah, if there's, if there's someone who wants to pursue this technology at such an early stage and be the champion for it, then, you know, we, we get together with them, we work out what some of the internal requirements are, and we go through that process and help them try and bring the internal stakeholders on board with a, with a view of them being able to move it forward. And in, in some cases, it's, it's not a no, but it's, a, I'm not sure, you know, the, the, one of the responses, you know, would be, don't understand this well enough, but if you believe in it, then, you know, quite happy to explore it in a steady and, and, and planned way. And, you know, if we, if we've got a champion internally and, and, and feedback, at least at that level, then, you know, we can help them navigate that. And that goes back to that staged approach of some considered steps and helping them roll out some, some light touch activations, bring fans in in a meaningful way, help, help deal with the, you know, the narrative that's out there in the marketplace around cash grabs and, impact on climate and these perceptions that are, that are going on so that, you know, they can, they can get through it in a, in a, in a good way. Yeah. And that was going to be my next question, I suppose, is the, is that appetite piece? I'd imagine most of the conversations are, if they're not, or they're not likely to be a no, but they're maybe a not yet. 
I suppose you probably have to do quite a job around then selling that engagement and the the purpose behind it. Because I know I know we talked before and we were talking about an example with Paris Saint Germain when they signed Lionel Messi and they released a PSG coin which had, you know, went through the roof for a couple of days and then was worth nothing a few days later. And it seemed like a pointless exercise other than to bring in money to the club. There's probably a lot of explanation or I suppose education around what real value it can bring by doing something like this. Yeah, no, I think, look, you hit the nail on the head uh, with that in the, the perception and how it's being deployed. I suppose we're, we're kind of different to other providers in that a lot of them provide a fragmented uh, kind of solution where they all provide a bit of it in that we're trying to provide a full stack solution for rights holders. And to add to, I suppose, what Kurt was saying, it's really to develop a strategy with a rights holder and have it in a staged manner that essentially we need to, I suppose, meet milestones and performance before we go on to the, the next stage, as opposed to coming out the gate with a wild campaign that usually, look, in our experience and my experience within this uh, market, usually might last uh, a week or two, but then usually falls flat in its face. So I think we're really, uh, according myself, I'm a big fan. We are managing the rights holders' expectations as much as we can that this isn't uh, come out with one collection and create huge revenues from it. This is a staged approach that needs to be developed over time. And I suppose we do believe that every rights holder uh, going into the future is going to have a comprehensive Web3 strategy uh, going forward. Hey everyone, this is Pete. Let me tell you about the folks at Philip Lee. A few years ago, I was at my first venture capital industry dinner in Dublin, and honestly, I felt a bit lost. I bumped into Andrew Tizali, one of the partners at Philip Lee. He bought me a pint and introduced me to the team, and they took me under their wing. That take-you-under-their-wing approach has been what I've heard consistently from fintech and crypto startups who I know have worked with Philip Lee in Dublin and London to help them wrap the right legal framework around their business, fundraising, and regulatory needs. And I can't recommend them enough. Get in touch with the team at philiplee.ie or on moneyneversleeps.ie slash philiplee to learn more. I was listening to a podcast this morning with Jasmine Maeta from Round 21, and I was thinking I got to tell the big fan guys about this because her comment was, when you mint that NFT and you have that first transaction where somebody buys it, that's just the start. That's not the finish. That is the start because you have so much to do from there. And when I've been talking to folks about big fan and telling them about the differentiators, we talk about the metaverse-driven fan experiences. And I know that you've built a couple of prototypes within some virtual reality worlds. Can you talk about how the collectibles, how the digital collectibles then become this access point for the virtual reality worlds and how those work for the fans? Yeah, Pete, uh, rightly said that, uh, I suppose, the, the metaverses, what we've been doing there is developing, I suppose, within the four main Decentralized metaverses, which would be crypto voxels, Decentraland, Somnium Space, and the Sunbox since uh, late 19, early uh, 20. So what we've done is, is we've kind of, I suppose, bought up the lands within those four different metaverses and built out our infrastructure. So we have a string of uh, stadiums, co-working spaces, uh, conference centers built out throughout the, the different metaverses. Now, you'd say to yourself, how does the big fan collectible feed into uh, that? 
So what we're doing with our collectibles is, is they'll double up as a, an access to unlock experiences within these metaverse developments. So to give you an example, we uh, have a rights holder on board, which is a soccer club based in uh, LA. So what we've done for them is, is that we have developed out a replica of their uh, stadium within one of the, the metaverses, where what we'll be doing there is holding post-match uh, interviews, as well as live streaming games and holding promotions and events uh, to that. So what your collectible will do is it will double up as an access key into these uh, experiences where we'll have a multitude of uh, uses, as I explained uh, just there, as well as bring it even a bit further that you'd be able to buy merch, more sporting collectibles, as well as attendance into events and promotions within those metaverse locations. So another way to look at it is, is that this uh, sports club organization will essentially have their own uh, digital location within the metaverse where all their fans can uh, meet up and partake in uh, events. Fascinating. And, you know, it, it, what it feels like is just enabling fans to get closer to the teams they love. And you don't have to be able to go to a stadium anymore to do that, right? Yeah. yeah. And we find that, I suppose, that experience is like we're only at the start of building these experiences. We, I suppose, envision that these experiences are going to get a lot more uh, immersive and a lot more um, interactive. I think just to, just on what Eugene's saying there, if you, get, you go back to the example I would use before about Man United and you, we've, we've got this, this, this global connection with fans that's being driven by social media, right? In a, you know, in a, in, a, in a push and pull sense, a read and write sense. Whereas now, yeah, can you imagine, Alan, you know, before you sit down and watch Man United play on, on TV live, you know, to, to be able to jump into a, a clubhouse within the metaverse and meet up with other Man United fans from around the globe and have a chat with them and, and potentially, you know, if it's run by the club, they're able to run a live feed and a pre-match interview that's exclusive for that group of people that's in that space that have got together before they then you know, step out and go back to watching it and, you know, in that linear TV sense, because that's where the rights are held at the moment. And to bring it to life, you know, one of the examples that, you know, that we, that we touch on when we're talking to rights holders about, you know, what, what the art of the possible is at the current point in time with the technology. Um, you know, weave in what Eugene's talking about in terms of access into those spaces and it, it changes the game quite a lot. It shows that this technology can go can go a hell of a lot further than you know than than, than what yeah we can do at the moment. So it's it's really Absolutely. exciting. I, I get excited it's, about it. It's fa no, it is, it's really exciting because you see it with like the different clubs, like Man City. Obviously, they built that new tunnel with the kind of wall or glass walls where you can see into the dressing rooms if you're the fans. And mm -hmm. you know when they rebuilt the Cowboy Stadium in Dallas, they built it with the they were slightly below ground level the uh, the premium kind of boxes so you're at like eye level with the pitch and stuff if you're paying the kind of premium price but again all about that building the a better physical experience but like that if i if i'll never get to a game then i don't get to i don't get the benefit of any of that but like to your example that'll be really cool to go into some metaverse or some sort of uh, immersive experience whereby you know, I'm, I'm able to see in or engage with other fans or even players or whatever ahead of a game. You know, I think that'd be really cool or after the game or different events around, you know, yeah. particular kind of uh, programs or whatever. That'd be really cool. 
I think the, I guess the other, the other thing here is that, you know, there's the split in terms of you know, we, we all want different things based on different generations. Right. And so, you know, one of the things we're, we're working on is a, is a, a gaming experience in the sandbox. And it might be that the, the younger generation who aren't inclined to jump into this metaverse space at a meetup party, like we just talked about for say man United, they, that the younger ones want to jump in and play this game with, you know, with, with an avatar you know, running around with their Man United shirt on that they've been able to apply to it in a gaming experience. And, and, and actually that Man United shirt, because of the properties in it, gives them more speed or gives them more accuracy as they're exploring this yeah. space. And I guess that's where our concept of you know, big fan sports world comes into play that, that we're sort of crafting out at the moment within, uh, within the sandbox metaverse. And myself and Pete have talked about it a number of times on the podcast around when we're talking about Fortnite. And obviously you've seen the the artists like Travis Scott and likes doing this the the shows in Fortnite and creating that kind of virtual experience for their fans. So it seems like you guys are somewhere then in the middle. You know that was an entirely virtual world, and then you're dealing with a, a bricks and mortar kind of physical physical team or a partner that you're working with and trying to combine, I suppose, bringing the fans from that kind of you know virtual only that younger generation to the older generation who are used to the kind of you know going to the match and trying to combine both. It, it seems like a big ask, but it seems like a great opportunity at the same time. Yeah, definitely. I suppose what we identified as well is, I suppose, with the younger generations, especially the alpha uh, generations in that, I suppose, look, we know about the prevalence of uh, Roblox and uh, Minecraft. And yeah, my three kids all play uh, Roblox and Minecraft. And I suppose the significance of it in that these are metaverses that essentially that they are playing in. And it's, what they usually do is go in initially in a creative sense, then uh, it's more of a social aspect to it. And then the e-commerce uh, element comes into it. So we envision that um, actually the younger generation of fans coming up are going to demand this uh, interactivity and immersiveness with their rights holders based on the experiences that they're building, I suppose, uh, through Roblox and Minecraft uh, going forward. Yeah, it's fascinating. It's fascinating stuff because my, my imagination's running wild. Now, Owen and I have talked about before on this podcast that, you know, what I really want, I think I've shared this with you guys, is, is the dynamic NFTs, right? The dynamic sports collectibles where when in real time, when a player hits a home run, that the expression on their player card, their digital player card changes, right? And shows them happy or shows them with a video recap of the high five at home plate. Right. That's what I want. And I'm thinking about something else that I want now, too. So I'll, I'll set the bar really high. You know, you guys have heard. Obviously, you know, I'm a big fan. I, I did it again. <laughs> oh, guys know, Thank you. <laughs> you guys know I'm a big fan of Ready Player One. OK. And where you've got haptic gloves in this VR environment. I want the haptic socks, you know, that go up to my knees. OK. And past my knees so that I can do the keepy uppy contest in the virtual stadium with Ronaldo. Okay. And <laughs> I want to be able to have that experience wearing VR goggles. Now for that to take place in terms of the five senses in VR, and that if you think about how technology has come so far, we've got obviously the, the sense of hearing, right? Pretty good in terms of virtual and virtual experience and, and stereo and surround sound and those types of things. The sense of seeing visual. One problem with VR headsets is that they don't actually track your eyes yet, but they're coming 
And that's why people get a little bit of motion sickness after coming out of a VR headset. You've got the sense of touch very early days still in terms of being able to touch with sensors all around your fingers and touch in a virtual environment, but it's getting there. Taste and smell, I don't even want to go there yet, right? Because it's just not interesting to me in a virtual environment. I think smell would probably be the easiest thing to do first, but it's like <clears> what you walk into a virtual bakery and you could smell cookies. Wonderful. Great. Actually, that would be pretty good from an e-commerce <laughs> perspective. You want to walk through a dressing room tunnel and smell sweat? You know, I'm not there yet. Okay. So imagination clearly going wild here, guys. In order to get to that experience, we need technology to move along. You guys need to move along at the same time with that. Are the things that you've identified in terms of technology, Eugene, probably specifically that you think will unlock more value here with a big fan brand as it grows? Yeah, look, I, I, with big fan, I suppose we want to be at the forefront of any innovations that are out. And I suppose it's keeping track with those innovations. But I think your analogies there and observations are totally on point in regards, I suppose, to the VR goggles uh, that we see. The, the VR element, I suppose, getting a lot more uh, popular. I do know that Apple are coming out with their VR goggles within the next uh, six months. Uh, seemingly the tech that they have in it, that they do track your eyes uh, within it. Yeah. And it's going to be a game changer, I suppose, within the, the VR world. I would equate, I suppose, the introduction of these VR goggles to the introduction of the iPhone and what that did for adoption. I suppose for people um, yeah, using the, the internet and that accessibility uh, at the moment. So what we find is in some of the metaverses that we're uh, in, they have the, the VR component as well, but it's just not there yet in accessibility and with the VR goggles. So, but we see that that's going to increase uh, a lot more, obviously with the Apple uh, goggles coming down the line. Also two areas that we're uh, exploring at the moment is in around the augmented reality and what we can do there and to make the NFTs actually seem real and pop out of your phone where you can actually interact with them. So we're in the process of partnering with um, an AR company at the moment that has those capabilities. Then moving it a bit further on to another thing that you brought up, Pete, in around the dynamic stats, which is another area that we're really pushing and also in terms uh, in talks of partnership with a company. As you said, essentially that when a player scores a goal on the pitch, that that can be reflected onto their, um, onto their card. So that's another area that we're actively uh, working in. And the tech is there in, with the API feeds that we're doing. So we're working through that as well. We'll have more information in, uh, around that in the, in the coming months. As well as then in the, the metaverse developments that we're uh, dealing in and the metaverses. So we're dealing, we're building in the four main metaverses, but we're expanding that uh, list uh, quickly in that there's new metaverses now coming out. Uh, Board API Club are dropping one at the weekend uh, called the, the other side. We're also dealing with a number of other metaverses that really we're pushing them to the max of their functionalities. So. Yeah, we'd like to think that big fan is at the forefront of, uh, I suppose, tech in regards to all the areas that are important uh, to us at the moment. It's a fantastic opportunity. It's a huge, huge space. Right. And, you know, it, it's you got to go out and grab it, right? And it sounds like you guys are doing that. Bring it back to the here and now. What's the number one focus for the rest of this year? The, the main focus is, uh, this year, I suppose, if we kind of broken up into three, is the successful launch of our uh, platform, scaling the team and also implementing a utility token 
that will incentivize usage uh, throughout our uh, platform. So those would be the three headline items that we're trying to get across in 22. Very good. And then the the biggest challenge that you see it? Biggest challenge would lie in around the current market and where it's heading. So uh, it's really, I suppose, coming out with selling out our collections and keeping a very managed approach to the deployment of those uh, collections. But more importantly, I suppose, showing true utility with our collectibles is our biggest challenge to maintain that. Echo what Eugene's saying in terms of adoption, you know, adoption by by decision makers in the clubs and, and teams and, and competitions, but but also this appetite for adoption from the general public. And you know, we we look at two different market segments in terms of sports first fans and and the crypto community, and they're very different different expectations and, and and levels of knowledge. And so that's 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 one that we're sort of carefully navigating our way through at the moment as far as as far as challenge goes. Very good. Very good. And it's the, the here and now is obviously, you know, big focus and, and getting over the first hurdles as a business. And it, it feels like, or it, it is that sports fans relationships with their clubs, with their teams, with their leagues is, you know, universal. And that regardless of how the crypto markets are faring and this, you know, running parallel to that is sports fans' relationships with their leagues and clubs and teams, they want to get closer to them. And I think that's something that is, that's something that's permanent and that will continue. Markets will go up and down, right? But it's enabling this all to become that brand that really connects with fans, which is, I think is, is going to be awesome to see how, how you guys accelerate with this, right? Owen, yeah. we're at the point of the podcast where I know that you like to ask our final question of the conversation. Yeah. Would you like to do the honors? Well, of course, uh, Eugene and Kurt, very enjoyable experience chatting to you guys today. Uh, what's one thing people wouldn't expect to know about either of you? I know, Kurt, you were eager to answer this first. Okay, all right, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll clarify. It is a New Zealand accent, not an Australian one. It, it, is that all that you have that, to share? That's, that's, all I, that's all I have to share right now. <laughs> this is a question I really don't... <laughs> I'm not great with this question. Yeah. You, you've, you, you've had some thoughts on this one? <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I suppose, look, coming from myself is that uh, what a lot of people would know about me is that I'm actually super religious. So, um, yeah, that's one thing that uh, people wouldn't know about me. Always good to have faith, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Kurt, Kurt there's nothing else that you're, you're willing to share? There are, there are things, there are things that I know about you that um, I won't share. I I, look, I'm, I'm enjoying the ride. I mean, this is, I've, I've always been someone who, um, likes new technology, but this has just taken me to another level. You know, I'm getting my head around this stuff is, is, has been a challenge, but a, a really exciting one. And the, the more I dive into this, the more it's, it's, it's sucking me in further. So to be able to 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 innovate with technology at a stage where it's not you know it's not mainstream it's 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 only just popped its head up as is phenomenal and I, I I might I might project some confidence around this but but certainly you know each each day I'm learning something more I think you know what we're doing with with TechStars you know with the launch pool web through TechStars program and in, in, in racing you know literally racing through in an accelerator fashion is has been I guess probably added more 
value for me in terms of my knowledge of the space and, and also I guess understanding where I sit in that in that whole world in, in terms of knowledge. I, I'm surprised at how much I know compared to to to, to others. So that that's probably a little bit of a revelation for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, it, it does help to go down the rabbit hole. All right. Well, gentlemen, thank you very Pleasure. much for the chat today. Really, really enjoyed it. And, you know, expecting big, big things from Big Fan. So keep it up. And I know that we'll be talking tomorrow. Thanks, Pete. Really appreciate Thanks it. Thanks very much, right. Pete. Take Thanks, care, Alan. Thanks, Pete. Please go on. Appreciate it, guys. That does it for this week, folks. Thanks to Eugene O'Brien and Kurt Pittman for opening up their minds to help us figure out why they do what they do. Links to get in touch with Eugene and Kurt and learn more about Big Fan are in the show notes on our website, moneyneversleeps.ie, so check us out online. Also, thanks to Conan Brophy from Create Sound for mixing and editing this episode. Conan is an excellent media man to get in touch with when you're thinking about launching your own podcast. As for me, I'm an early-stage startup investor and advisor focused on where fintech meets crypto and crypto meets Web3. If you'd like to talk to me about your business, drop me a line on info at moneyneversleeps.ie. Finally, until next time, thanks for listening. See ya! Money never sleeps, pal.